What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Meeting of Podcast. This is your podcast where we talk about your favorite movies and the deeper meaning within their films. And this week is a special week because we are talking about the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. As you guys know, No Time to Die is out in theaters, which means we are talking about the Daniel Craig Bonds, the Bonds that changed the genre forever of the Bond movies because these Bonds became special to a lot of people as far as the gritty and cool bonds. I am here with the usual crew of RB3 and Sabrina. Excited to talk about this because this is something that I've been following obviously since the first one, which was all the way back in 2006, was which was Casino Royale, which was Daniel Craig's first appearance as the titular character of James Bond. This is the longest running franchise character in the history of Hollywood, I believe, unless there's like some- Second, second. Dracula, I don't know. What? Godzilla. Dracula? Godzilla's number one. Godzilla, sure. Godzilla, wow. Godzilla's number one. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say Dracula or something, but you know, Godzilla's out here doing it, doing it for the kaijus. Uh, but besides, besides uh, you know, a giant kaiju, the actual human character would be James Bond, uh, which which means it's actually a pretty big deal. So before we get to the Daniel Craig Bond movies, I want to see your Bond fandom. I want to see how you were introduced to the character. What was your first movie and how you dove into it? And if you're an actual Bond fan or not. And obviously I got to start with the homegirl herself, Sabrina. Sabrina, tell me about your connection with Bond. Yeah, um, I have never seen any of the Bond movies besides Daniel Craig. So I'm not super, super familiar with the character in the franchise in that way. Um, I kind of got into it because my dad was watching it. So those were the ways that I experienced it back in the day. I've actually never sought out these films myself. Um, I did do a rewatch on a few of them in preparation for No Time to Die and this conversation. Um, but yeah, I it's kind of crazy because people ride for the Bond character. These movies are something that a lot of people that we know and love and like you guys as well talk about as being like one of their favorite franchises, something that they always get really excited for. And we've seen that kind of from like the hype of uh, No Time to Die. So it gets me really excited for the next film as Daniel Craig's last one, since he is the only Bond that I am familiar with. Um, but maybe closing out his chapter will make me want to revisit some of the other Bonds. RB3, what was your first introduction to the Bond character? Um, well, I mean, I had a, I had a uh, first introduction this was really through uh, Pierce Brosnan's uh, era in uh, the James Bond uh, franchise. I'm actually a big James Bond fan just overall. Like, I like a lot of the movies. I, I like them um, from um, the beginning. Um, I I started with um, Golden Eye, which is like obviously the 1995 reboot that a lot of people got introduced with. Um, a lot of people do actually the video game that came out through PS1 as well. Um, so, but yeah, that's how I kind of got familiar with Bond and became really, uh, you know, excited when I saw those movies like rerun on TV, Die Another Day, um, all of the, uh, all the Pierce Brosnan ones. And then eventually I went back when I was in my young teens, like in, or 12 or 13, when I was first starting to get my feet wet into like movies and movie franchises and went back and watched the originals and absolutely fell in love with like the OG Dr. No, um, Goldfinger, which is my personal favorite out of the, um, OG Sean Connery Bonds. Um, and all these like really, you know, Thunder, uh, Thunderball, which is really cool. And then even the really weird era of James Bond when they're like doing the Star Wars ripoffs and, uh, like all the, like everything else. Moonraker. Yeah. Moonraker and Octopussy and What's like up all with the, these like, names. Yeah. They're going crazy. They're um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're awesome. I mean, but this, that's the thing with this franchise. It's like, also I came to learn as I got older, it's like 50, 50, it's like a 50, 50 shot. Like sometimes you're going to get. Uh, either some really really gold or magic, or you get get something really trash. And I think personally, I like I like Craig's Bond. I think his Bond has given us two high marks of the entire Bond franchise and two mid tier marks. You know, they're not like like they're not like the worst movies ever, but they're not like they're not they're not great. So I he's kind of on that fifty fifty way too, but it's a better fifty fifty than when you're looking at like diamonds are forever and then versus like moonraker or just these weird like obscure ones that go to like different planets or like different countries and you know have some sort of stereotypical racism in them, you know. So 
Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I have a couple questions for you guys as far as where you guys put the Craig movies a little bit later on in the podcast. So I want to save it for that. But yeah, kind of going off what you were saying, RB3, the Bond movies, Sabrina, were always considered to be kind of always tongue in cheek, a little bit more of a guilty pleasure. I would almost consider it to be a little bit like probably the Fast and Furious movies, how people like those nowadays and how people are like, yeah, it's silly and goofy and fun. But we, we love, you know, Vin Diesel and the family and all that. And the family in this case was like Bond and the Bond girl and who's he going to hook up with? And that was kind of the joke. The running joke that people knew going into the movie was that was like, who's going to be the next Bond girl and, and what's going to happen to her in the movie? Um, obviously, that's a little bit more high stakes than Vin Diesel saying family and flying off a cliff. Uh, but I do feel like that was like audiences were like a part of the experience in the ride. It was more like a ride with the Bond franchise, but in the Bond movies that we see nowadays, which is the Daniel Craig Bond, uh, the producers did want to go a little bit more gritty. Uh, I also got introduced RB3 with the Pierce Brosnan because I grew up in that era. That's my era of Bond. Um, the 1995 era, the video game RB3, like you said, GoldenEye, was probably one of the most groundbreaking video games of all time, maybe besides Doom. Uh, shout out to Doom if you know anything about FPS games. Uh, me being the old school Call of Duty homie, uh, I used to play a lot of FPS games and Doom was kind of the, one of the first, but Bond really introduced the multiplayer aspect of it all, which is kind of what we see nowadays. Uh, a lot of people were introduced to the Piers Brosnan ones, which were a lot more cheesy. But Sabrina, what do you think of the producers deciding to kind of go more the gritty grounded route with these Daniel Craig Bond movies and make them a little bit more bloody, violent, uh, sadistic, a little bit more twisted, uh, maybe with the kills and with what the Bond character is in itself. Do you think they were probably influenced by like what was going on during that time? Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, a lot of the times when we're looking to our art and we um, want to kind of use this as escape from like normal life, when you are hitting on some of the ideas and themes in this bond, making it darker and grittier can kind of have a more serious like thematic element underneath it rather than having it be a little bit more ridiculous. Like I'm not familiar with the other ones, so I don't know how much they really took like a pivot with this franchise, but I do like a lot of the directions we got. I think um, having like the villains, that's something that's a standout. And I know you mentioned earlier about like the Bond girls. And I think that's something that's always turned me off to this franchise because it's the same thing that I said about Fast and Furious. And I was gonna mention that earlier. So I love that you brought this up as well. My biggest critique of the Fast and Furious franchise, as fun as it may be, as much as I enjoy um, a few of the films in that franchise, the way they handle women in that one, other than like two characters, is yeah. just kind of off-putting to me. And that's the same thing um, with Bond, unfortunately. I just feel like the women in these films are seen as so disposable. And even when they die or something happens like that, it's nothing. There's not even a moment for them in like, yo, like rest in peace to this person. We just go on to the next thing. And I know that right. this is a fast paced environment. And I know like, of course, like you can't sit there and like mourn really, you got, you have something else to do like all the time, but yeah, that's why I don't really get into these as much. So I don't know how much the older ones kind of like handle that. But this sure. is an aspect that I really do not like about um, these few films. Can, can I kind of go back to your Fast and Furious comment, Sabrina? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that same way about the Fast and Furious movies you said? Yeah, I talked about yeah. it when we did our episode. Okay. I just feel like besides two of the characters, uh, Michelle Rodriguez and stuff, like everybody else is just super disposable. Yes, um, lots of the one, shots. Yeah, exactly. And like Gal Gadot and um, the one Vin Diesel hooks up with like midway through the franchise, then she ends up dying and they have that kid together. All these characters yeah. are just kind of wasted. And that's the same thing that I see with a lot of these Bond girls. And, um, and I think, unfortunately, I think really, truly, unfortunately, uh, that, that proved to continue to be the case, you know, through, uh, like a lot of franchises, uh, you know, uh, uh, we've seen evolve over time. And I think the bond in particular, starting in the 1960s, the source material in and of themselves are, um, some critics of, um, some critics of the author have called it like close to like pornographic and like overly sexualized and um, misogynistic and like overly toxic it, it is and all that kind of stuff. So um, the movies, the, you know, the the early movies actually had to scale it back a little bit, but even in scaling it back, it was trash. And so trash that even you're talking about, 
how disposable the women are in these movies. Actually, there's a statistic that 75% of women who Bond sleep with in, in these movies end up getting killed. So that just is uh, that just <laughs> is what it is. Um, and 30% of all women characters end up have a th- have a chance of, of being killed in, in a Bond franchise. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a problematic thing. And I think even unfortunately the Craig Bond movies uh, do have that same trope as well. And I, I think we're going to break it down a little bit too. Um, but yeah, they, if you look at these, uh, at all four of these movies so far, um, we are kind of subjected to that to one extent to another. We haven't been subjected to that in Spectre, you know, or I don't know about No Time to Die yet, but, you know, we'll see. But, you know, all the, all the, you know, from what I, from, all I kiss and mice is still a continued part of the franchise, but in order to talk, but going back to like the dark and gritty point, um, that you're talking about undress, this also came out a year after Batman begins. Uh, so that was after Christopher Nolan's like kind of dark, dark reboot, um, kind of almost lined up kind of perfectly. Obviously they probably had overlapping production, but, uh, the beginning, you know, that was around the early 2000s, especially when we saw like Daredevil try to do it a little bit and early superhero movies try to go dive into the origin stories aspect a little bit, but tackle it in a darker, grittier, more realistic way, but didn't really succeed. But Batman Begins, I feel like was the first one to succeed. And I think Casino Rail was the second. Mm-hmm. And I think it was definitely the focusing in on the origin story. Cause we, out of all 20 films of James Bond that we've seen up to that point, we had never seen an origin story, but this is the first time we actually mm-hmm. saw how did Good Bond point. become Bond. I think that was crucial in his success as well. That's very Batman Begins. What do you think how the, when did the Bourne movies come out? I kind of feel like that had, was that? Uh, 2002. Before? Yeah, that was. The I feel first like that might've also influenced, right? Do you oh, guys agree sure. with that? I think the style, the style definitely. As far as like mainly kind of like the, you know, action, but still like dark and gritty and, and grounded and, you know, CIA and FBI and all that kind of stuff uh, might have had a lot to do with it for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like the Batman Begins aspect as far as the origin story. This is the first Bond origin story. It's the adaptation of Ian Fleming's Casino Royale, which I believe they had a hard time getting the official rights to uh, RB3. You can fact check me on that, but I believe that's what the producer said in uh, one of the commentaries that I saw. Uh, They also mentioned the casting of Daniel Craig, which was a controversial point, uh, and obviously is now considered to be one of the best castings of all time, uh, because the guy really does commit to the role. Um, And I I think one of the most fascinating aspects of the first Craig Bond movie, which is Casino Royale, which is what a lot of people believe to be his, probably still the best, if not one of the best Bond movies ever, uh, if not best Craig Bond movies ever, is the fact that Martin Campbell is back, RB3. He did Goldeneye. Have you all seen Goldeneye? Right. <laughs> like, Goldeneye is awesome, but it's not Casino Royale. Like, Goldeneye is crazy, over the top. Uh, it's insane. It's I think that's the one with um, Alan Cumming, right? Alan yes. Cummings? Yes. Uh, Alan the, Cummings is, guy. like, yeah. on 11, bro. He's, like, flying, bro. Homie's crazy the whole time. <laughs> Uh, so I think it's kind of funny how they go from Alan Cummings to Mads Mikkelsen, uh, two very contrast villains, uh, but they brought back Martin Campbell and they did Casino Royale. So let's jump to Casino Royale, guys. Uh, Casino Royale has a ton of action. It's the first uh, chapter in the Craig Bra- uh, Bond franchise, as I said before. How do you feel like this movie holds up and what do you think uh, it probably stacks up? in the Bond movie franchise. I'll start with you, Sabrina. Yeah, I feel like as an origin story, it's kind of introducing this character possibly to a new generation or um, having older fans of the franchise really cling on to this one. Daniel Craig, like as we know, he's iconic for this. Even other films that he's done, um, as as much of a great actor as he is and he blends into everything, um, this is what he is known for. And this is why No Time to Die has the hype it does because everybody knows it's his last last time being Bond. So I think as an origin story, this works very well. Um, On the new kind of like, approach that you guys were talking about. Um, I really like also Eva Green. I thought Eva Green was absolutely fantastic in this role. Mads Mikkelsen is an amazing, amazing villain. So it's like a perfect combination of like having everything that you possibly need for this, which is a genuinely menacing villain. And we've already seen that from Mads Mikkelsen in everything that he's been in. He has touched so many different franchises 
mostly playing villains. So now when I see him on screen, um, I just kind of like picture that, like, even if he's introduced as like a nice character, I'm like, no, oh, he's going to become a villain chaos walking. Um, but yeah, I feel like this film works on a lot of levels to kind of, um, introduce this into a new audience, especially like myself, since this was the first one that I saw and I did rewatch it once in college. Um, it actually just like hooks you right from the start. And I love that we get to kind of see the origins of Bond and him starting out and not being at the level that he is yet. Yeah, it's definitely a crazy origin story. RB3, what do you feel like this movie stacks as far as in the Bond movies uh, franchise goes? Um, well, to me, to me, it's definitely one of my favorites, uh, definitely top tier. I think it's probably one of the best. Uh, I mean, to me, it's probably one of the top films, period, a top three, top five uh, Bond films in total. I mean, I put Going High, uh, Golden Finger, I'm sorry, Golden Finger high up there. I don't put a lot of the, 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 the Brosnan movies that high up there. But it, this one is particularly fascinating because, like I said, the you like you said, Andres, uh, the first um, this Casino Royale was the first book in the James Bond franchise published by Ian Fleming's, but they couldn't secure the rights to it because it was held by, I guess, the family or something like that. Um, but because, uh, so that's why they started, when they started the James Bond franchise way back in the 60s, they actually started with Dr. No. And Dr. No was the fifth book in the series. So when we meet Bond in that, in that movie, he's already... Uh, chronologically like five adventures deep at least or this is his fifth adventure now in the in the books they give him like a little bit of like self-doubt and a little bit of like not knowing who he is because like we've seen five adventures of him so far and him not doing like necessarily the best but because it was a introduction to his character and it had to fit into like the 1960s gravado they gave him like this instant amount of like uh, charisma and masculinity and confidence and that is something that is has been ramped up throughout the bond franchise but i think and this movie is fascinating seeing it ramped up to like level 10 but also like seeing the consequences of that as well and i think that's like what this what ultimately makes this movie stand out and one of the most like complex bond uh, examinations because he is tricky you see him in the in the first intro fight where in the first intro ch uh, chase scene where he's going after the yeah. uh after the African uh, dude and he has to, and you know, he has to protect the guy, has to not kill the guy because uh, he has the information. But when he's faced against the choice of having like all these guys lined up, you know, ready to shoot him, uh, he just shoots him and shoots everybody else and or explodes everybody else and just ducks out of there. Like his choice is just to be as brutal and as ego maniac as possible and just, uh, and just roll. But then by the end of the film and he, by the time he falls in love and learning that his choices up to this point has gotten to has gotten him to a place where he's vulnerable and ends up, you know, losing his love that that ultimately forces him to question that and have like an extra level of self doubt. So I think it does a really good job of giving you a full origin story from top to bottom, while also recontextualizing the character of James Bond in a completely significant way. Yeah, it definitely shows you um, how Bond if he was placed in the same position in real life, that's always what I kind of liked about Casino Royale was that in real life, Bond would be uh, basically a sociopath. <laughs> like he would be crazy. Like he'd be out there killing people. And he does in this movie, like he kills homeboy in an art museum, like, and then pats him on the cheek. Like he's like, good tribe, baby. Uh, lady, and I was like, bro, you just stabbed him in the knife and he's like lying there dead. Like he's crazy in this movie. He's like psychotic, but that's kind of the point. The point is like, if you're placing someone in this position to be the best at his job and his job isn't very nice to quote uh, Wolverine, uh, it's the fact that he would be kind of brutal and kind of insane in the way he deals with his emotions and kind of try to bury them and view people like objects to a gold and means to an end because that's kind of the whole MI6 MO. Uh, I briefly also want to mention one of the biggest standouts of Casino Royale, and it's kind of one of the things that uh, the producers of the film really focused on and Daniel Craig himself focused on was the physicality of the Daniel Craig James Bond. Uh, which is obviously an origin story, but at the same time, he wanted to show himself to be physically capable of doing all these incredible things if Bond really is the double O and the greatest super agent in the planet. 
he's got to be absolutely physically intimidating and a monster. And we see that not only in the opening sequence kill of the movie uh, or the bathroom kill of the movie, but also, like you said, RB3, in the free running scene, uh, which still is considered to be one of the greatest action scenes of all time. And I mean that, like look that up anywhere. Uh, a lot of filmmakers still consider that to be one of their key pieces as far as what they consider to be one of the best action scenes. And obviously this started the free running culture. I don't know if you guys remember the free running culture or like the parkour, hardcore parkour um, yeah, culture. Parkour. Yeah. yeah, remember that? <laughs> It, it, this was a big deal back in like 05, 06, 07, 08. Like this thing was popping out. And obviously this became later on in other movies. But Bond, uh, Daniel Craig wanted to show, hey, if Bond is Bond, then he's a badass, like a, like a mother effer. And he's going to chase down dudes. Uh, what do you guys think about that kind of idea of Bond being almost like the Terminator in that scene, Sabrina? I honestly think it's really cool um, because it's the only thing that I've known from Bond. It fits the bill and it makes sense when you're talking about this character who, who is so elusive and brutal. And to everything that you were saying earlier, also um, his interactions with Vesper are something that makes me appreciate this movie out of all of the other ones that I've experienced because I feel like this was a female character that was like actually fleshed out when she was going through it, when she was clearly experiencing trauma because she's not in the same like brutal headspace as he is. Um, he comforts her. And so I love that choice in his character. And so even though we do get those moments where he is doing his job and is doing what needs to be done, um, him kind of supporting her and helping her through that time, um, because not everybody would be used to that. It's honestly really refreshing to see. I do love that he's caring for like the mental health um, of his partner at the time or somebody he's working with. I got to bring that up because Daniel Craig talks <laughs> about this in the commentary. Uh, he talks a lot about Eva Green. I still consider Vesper, if I'm being completely honest with you guys. I think she's the best Bond girl. Shout out. Come at me, bro. Uh, because I love I love Vesper. I love Eva Green's interpretation. I think she's the best Bond girl. I think it's just different. It's dynamic. It's unique. Um, and I think Daniel Craig talks about her a lot in the commentaries. He talks about how in the script, Vesper was not quite the same character that Eva Green interpreted and that Eva Green really fleshed out the character. And it was actually uh, Daniel Craig who pushed back on the writers and on the studio and even on the director when they did that shower scene when he's comforting her. Yeah. It was supposed to be them like in their underwear. Uh, and he insisted and fought and like tooth and nail that he's like, you want this to be a sexy scene, but I want it to be like an actual comforting scene and a, and a, and a moving scene. And you wouldn't just be taking off your clothes. You would be in the shower in your clothes, like regardless of what you're wearing, even if he was wearing a tux and she was wearing a full blown gown. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was his moment. And in that moment, it's actually to, to considered to be one of the best scenes in the movie because it does show the vulnerability of a Vesper and of that James Bond. Um, so I love the Vesper character and their relationship really is uh, one of the best in the entire franchise, in the entire movies. RB3, what do you think about that one? Yeah, no, I 100% I agree. I think the fact that she she subverts the um, Bond girl narrative like 100%, like ultimately like she is ultimately like kind of a pawn-ish like in this kind of operation. And that's ultimately why it's like a self-sacrificial thing, but it also makes it more tragic. It's almost like the Romeo and Juliet. I don't know, maybe I didn't read Romeo and Juliet, so maybe that's not true. Um, but um, I don't know, maybe maybe I have no idea what I'm talking about, but you know, somebody gotta die and you know, it's hurtful. So uh, that's kind of what happens here and it's tragic. And I think I think particularly what, what makes this movie so, even though it, you know, it does fall into the trope of a Bond girl dying, like we've seen so many times in, a, in, a, in the Bond franchise before, um, what's different to this one is that like, He's not like being like outwardly disrespectful towards her. He's not like, he's actually like, like you say, he's compassionate and she's also madly intelligent and can like compete with him on like that level too. Um, also on top of that, uh, speaking to like the, the film's better handling of uh, gender politics, um, we do see Ju Judy Dench returning as M who, you know, this is, even though it's supposed to be a reboot uh, and a completely fresh start, it's interesting seeing the Judy Dench from the, Pierce Brosnan movies carry over into this franchise. So I love it. Um, yeah, I, I love it too. I think it personally, I think to me personally, it makes it seem that the, oh, I have always 
clinged on to a theory that the 007 name is just like a name, a code name. It could be anybody. And he was just, you know, he's just another agent who's, who's a part of that. Um, and I think this is, it almost confirms that, but I also think it gives it this like regal kind of like overarching kind of authority. And the fact that he's now being directly commanded by um, a woman, by an older woman, just, you know, totally leads to different directions and inflections and in the decision-making. So I think it's just a really good decisions, like all around. I think it was really dope all around. No, I, I love that aspect. Absolutely. And I really do feel like it adds a different dynamic to the character. Uh, and, and it's, and it's obviously like, we can critique a little bit um, the idea of Vesper dying, uh, which is kind of the spark of what brings this Bond into the Bond franchise. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but I feel like that moment, after that moment is kind of what makes him, because he was going to give up the life after that. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, I don't know how recently you rewatched this movie, but he said he was going to give up his uh, Bond, not Bond, double O status after, and just run away with Vesper until obviously the whole betrayal scene happened and she died. Uh, that kind of pushed him to be even deeper into the job and even deeper into kind of his psychosis, which was already damaged to begin with. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I really do feel like the way they handle Vesper is definitely a different start for Casino Royale. Um, and the way they handled M's, uh, Judy Dench, the way she kind of like schools Bond in that one scene is definitely a different dynamic as well. What's another standout uh, scene or moment for you in Casino Royale, Sabrina? Honestly, I feel like just through like the score, I feel like the score throughout this entire film and like the direction just makes this really exciting. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, his introduction and of course, like the scenes like at the casino and things like that, just their command, like their presence on screen. I feel like all the performances lended themselves really well. So I would say maybe that scene would be my favorite besides Vesper and uh, Bond in the shower, which I didn't know about the underwear yeah. thing. That Can checks you believe out. that? Daniel Craig um, was like, literally <laughs> like he said, like yeah. he was upset. He was like really mad about them being like, no, it's gonna be you guys, you're gonna be all naked and crap. And it's gonna be, and yeah. he's like, dude, this is a vulnerable moment. I think I it's want so it much more intimate to intimate have them be wearing yeah. clothes rather yeah. than not honestly like i feel like it it's way more powerful and impactful as an audience member to see it like and that it's a versus, great scene and yeah so i would say that's my favorite but we already talked about that so then the casino scene uh how about you rb3 what's one of your favorite ones that we haven't mentioned yet uh well yeah i mean sabrina was just gonna men just mention what well, i was gonna mention the casino scene as well i think that's one of the most i think it's gracing the physicality and the brutalness of bond but it's also gracing like decision making and the cunningness and how he's able to keep up with maz um maz mendelson's kind of like intro weaving yeah. trying to trying to keep up with the poker game at the same time like there's so many brilliant like slow edits that like kind of like keep you on the edge of your seat throughout that entire thing it's like kind of like the uh uh like the the rat and mouse game rat and mouse rat, cat and mouse game like happening right in front of you you know so yeah it's really interesting because obviously we see the idea of making an entire bond movie the highest stakes bond movie ever and it's literally them just staring at each other uh trying to read each other which i think is kind of funny uh i i think there's a lot of fun lines in this movie too obviously the whole um i'm the money every penny of it line uh, with Vesper on the train, which was actually the uh, screen test. Uh, they showed that screen test, by the way, uh, in that little mini doc I saw on Apple. Um, that was a screen test that they used, obviously with a different actress. I think she was just a stand-in for any Bond. Um, I think that was one of the best moments. I think the action scenes are definitely one of the biggest standouts of this movie as well. I love the uh, terrorist airport scene. I think that's one of the best scenes. Uh, when he's chasing down the terrorists at the airport with the oil rigger and they're going to crash it into the plane and he places that little uh, bomb on his belt. I think that's cool. Uh, but I think overall, just this movie to me is, is definitely one of the best. And it leads us straight into what a lot of people consider to be also one of the best Bond movies. And that is Quantum of Solace. Which People is say the that? No, I'm playing. I'm playing with y'all. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the Bond world, but this movie I think is like borderline the, unwatchable for me. I think people say the opposite. I actually don't mind this movie, but I think a lot of people really hate it. 
Uh, RV3, t- I just got to get your thoughts on this movie, man. Are you team Quantum of Solace? Yes or no? Uh, I'm not necessarily team Quantum of Solace. I mean, I, I really didn't like it when I, when it first came out. Um, I thought it was a little, like, I thought it was just a little too dark, like, like, like photographically dark. Like I didn't really, I can see a lot of action. And I also thought it, it was, um, I also thought it was a little, it was a little boring at parts. And then when it wasn't boring, it was like very brutal and very like all over the place. Now, as a, as an, as a adult, not as an adult, but like as rewatching it in preparation for this podcast, um, I do see it as much more of a continuation of Casino Royale is more of like a Casino Royale 1.5 kind of thing where it's like, oh, he was really hard. We see him get really hurt and really, really broken. And let's see that happen for like a whole movie. Let's see him take like the the most revenge because the first half of this movie almost plays as like a revenge film, like him hunting down um, the people who can give him answers about a who saved him from the 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 crazy um, Maz Mendelssohn nut chopping scene and uh from b who or mr white i think that's who who was looking for and also b who killed vesper or who was behind like everything with vesper so he's really it's really just a hunt for like revenge um and ultimately devolves into something else but i don't really love it i'm not the best i'm not the biggest fan of it but yeah i don't think most bond fans are big fans of it and i think when it came to skyfall soon after i think bond fans really truly feel that's more of like the kind of sequel to casino royale in a lot of ways yeah, uh, Sabrina, there was actually a writer's strike that was going on during the shooting of Quantum of Solace, during the production of it. So they didn't have a complete script throughout the movie. Daniel Craig says that this is one of the reasons why the movie wasn't solid. And the producer said they were kind of focused a little bit too much on the spectacle and less on the character. Is that kind of how you felt throughout the movie, that maybe the script was a little all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely shown. So once I found that out, um, it completely checks out on a rewatch. Um, I've always just never really watched this one or never paid any attention, like completely forgettable. Um, but for me, it was like kind of unwatchable. Um, I feel like a lot of the story threads just like weren't woven um, in the same way that some of the other Daniel Craig Bond films were. Um, I really did um, like the actress who played uh, Camille. I thought she was really great, honestly. Like, I think she did a really great job, but this one is just so skippable for me. I feel like it doesn't even do anything to, exactly what RB3 said with the 1.5, it doesn't do anything to really lead the franchise or like this set of films in a particular direction. I think you could skip over it and you won't really be missing too much. Um, There's not really a lot of like memorable moments or things like that in my opinion. So yeah, I think this one out of all of them is probably my least favorite. I think that's very, very fair to say for sure. Uh, Some other comments that Daniel Craig was saying throughout this movie, he said that throughout the shooting of this movie, he definitely wanted to do as many, if not all the stunts possible, which ended up uh, making him pretty sore and pretty uh, hurt throughout the shooting production of this movie, which he said later on really affected him. Uh, It also affected him mentally. He said afterwards, he said he was a little bit overwhelmed throughout the whole production of it, uh, which obviously gave gave us this break and this gap between the next film. Uh, And obviously, guys, I am so excited to talk more about the Craig Bond franchise with you guys. So make sure you guys stick around, because after the break, we're going to be talking about the other films, which is Skyfall and Spectre. So make sure you guys stick around. We're also going to talk about our favorite Bond moments, our ranking of the Bond films, and obviously how we feel about the Craig Bond franchise within itself. So make sure you guys stick around after the break. Exclusively on First Cut. Star Wars Visions is finally here, guys. And I gotta be honest, I'm kind of blown away. Now, for anyone who knows me even just a little bit, you will know my love of anime and how I've always felt like this medium has an incredible impact on audiences. And my Star Wars connection is also well-documented. So this felt like a match made in heaven, something so specifically tailored towards my interest that it's almost comical. This is like some Gotenks level of like a perfect fusion. So now- Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music. This 
Alrighty guys, we are back talking about the Craig Bond franchise. Now something we haven't mentioned, obviously Sabrina talked a little bit about the score, which there is some great scores in the Craig Bond franchise, but there's also some great opening titles. Uh, I didn't mention Casino Royale's. I actually really like Casino Royale's opening titles. I think it might be one of my favorites. Um, I love Quantum of Solace with Alicia Keys and Jack White. Woo, I love that song. I think that song is fire. I actually legit used to sing that song when that movie was coming out. Uh, I think that's another one of my favorite, probably songs. The titles are okay, but the song is awesome. I, I'm a big opening titles guy. Uh, there was like a top 10 opening titles back in this like old school Cinefix. Remember Cinefix every three? RIP to the Cinefix uh, channel. We can't hear you, bro. Uh, Sorry, but they actually literally just put out a, a, a Craig Bond video like yesterday too. No so. way. Yeah. I thought yeah. they were dead, bro. I thought they no. died. No, the IGN got them. You know what I mean? Oh, IGN. Uh, IGN. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Cinefix did a like top 10 opening title sequences. Uh, Patrick H. Williams just did a top uh, uh, opening titles and why it's important and it's really cool. Uh, so I'm a major... I didn't really talk about my Bond connection, but I grew up with the Bond franchise. Obviously, the Pierce Brosnan movies were my favorite, but I saw all the Bond films as a kid. Uh, shout out to Spike TV. Y'all remember Spike TV? They used to have yeah, the Bond Marathon. Yeah, <laughs> the Bond Marathon. They would show all like whatever it was, like wow. 32 Bond films. And they'd be like, we're going to show all the Bond films all week, this week. So make sure you, and I would just record him. Uh, and watch him as a kid. And I saw every single Bond movie and I fell in love with the character, fell in love with the franchise, played all the video games. Uh, so Bond was like a big deal in my household because obviously I have brothers, <laughs> like I'm like just older brothers. So they love the Bond movies too. And they think he's cool. Um, but I love Bond opening title sequences. So eventually we get to, you know, Mrs. Rich Paul herself, Clutch Sports, Adele. <laughs> Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, that is uh, a reference to my NBA love as well. But Adele uh, singing the opening titles to Skyfall. Uh, what, bro? You know what I'm, you know what I'm right, bro? 23, 23. I see what you did there. I see yeah, what you did there. Yeah. Uh, Skyfall is uh, the next Bond movie. And one of the standouts is the opening song, which I believe won the Oscar or was at least nominated. Sabrina, back me up here. I think it won the Oscar. Yeah, it is. I remember like it was everywhere. I wasn't even a fan of these films, but this was on the radio. Everybody was playing it. Everyone was loving it. This is also at the height of Adele's really young, early career. Um, and I mean, it's it's a banger. Like you are feeling everything uh, with her voice. She is so talented. So yeah, I think this is definitely my favorite song out of all the ones we've gotten so far. Of course, we haven't seen Billie Eilish's um, in the context of the film yet. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Dude, just the opening when she's like, this is the end. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. damn. And he gets like sucked yeah. into, obviously you see that when he's falling into the water and homie gets sucked in. I was like, bro, this is it. This is it right here. Uh, yeah, you're right. This was like one of the first times where they like re released the song and the song became popular before the movie came out. That, that, was, that was happening like obviously in the 90s too. They would do that a ton of times in the 90s before the movie comes out. You have like a major hit single off the movie. Um, but like, this I don't was like, I want to miss a thing from Armageddon. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was saying. It's right now, fight. <laughs> uh, but I do feel like that is a big Bond thing because the Bond songs, obviously, shout out to uh, I believe Paul McCartney had one. Um, uh, Live and Let Die, Live and Let Die, yeah, uh, was one. There was a couple others, obviously, Diamonds Are Forever, Diamonds Are Forever. Well, yeah, uh, and then I mean, and also, we shout out Diamonds Are Forever, shout out Shirley. Uh, Bassey, who did not, she did three um, Bond songs in total, including the original, which is my second favorite um, Bond song, Goldfinger. Actually, it might be my favorite. Um, Goldfinger but that is was incredible. Actually, it might yeah, be my that, favorite. But that was actually the first one to like hit the pop charts. Like it went, it reached number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 and 21st. But then Adele's ended up uh, being the first to hit number one in the charts and ultimately ended yeah. up being the first one to win an Academy Award. So. And obviously the homie Sam Smith winning an Oscar <laughs> for that Baron Spector. Uh, the only homie who liked that song is right here. I like that song. I rock with it. And I like Billie Eilish's song too. I like Billie Eilish's out, a lot. I was like, yo, this is dope. This is dope. You can't? 
This nah. is dope. You don't, you don't mess with Billy like that? Nah, it's too, it's too, it's way too sad. It's too, it's too dour. It's too sad That's to what me. Skyfall like, is. Skyfall is super sad. Yeah, I know, it's but it's so it, quiet and sad. But you get Adele's like she's like ripping through it. You know what I mean? Like it's sad, but she's ripping. And then you know, no offense to Billy, but she's not a ripper. You know what I mean? She's quiet, but she'll give you that. <laughs> I am sad. Bond, Bond is sad. You know what I mean? I'm like, but Bond is sad, is bro. Like, he can't be happy. He's like going through yeah, some stuff, bro. I get yeah, it. I get it. He really real is, sad. especially. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You said. Oh, no, I was saying, especially now when we're seeing him, like, that's why I'm like, I don't know in the context of the film yet with that opener. It, I hope it's going to be that like cinematic moment. It's not on its own the way that Adele's is. Adele's transports you right into this opening of this film. That opening. So, let's talk about it. Yeah. The Skyfall opening. Obviously, we'll get to the Spectre opening, which is also incredible. But the Skyfall opening is phenomenal. We get that chase. Uh, we get the scene with Muddy Penny. Uh, shout out to Naomi Harris playing her. Um, and we get obviously the quote unquote death of Bond, uh, which leads us right into Adele as he falls into the water and gets sucked into the water and gets sucked into an Adele music video. Um, it really is incredible. I don't know if you guys have rewatched it recently, but it's phenomenal. I think it holds up yeah. incredibly. What do you think of that opening of Skyfall and how it introduces the character of Bond, Sabrina? Oh, I thought it was fire. I think that this one is definitely my favorite. I also think Skyfall might be my favorite Bond movie just in general, even though um, obviously out of only the few that I've seen, but um, even though I have so many issues with this movie at the same time, it's like, it's one of these things where I appreciate it for so many aspects. And then there's just so many little detriments within the film that just bother me and something that I can't get over, um, even though I know it's not the core focus of the film. But love the intro, love Adele's song, like I said earlier. Yeah, obviously, uh, we have to talk about Skyfall success, RB3. Skyfall is the biggest Bond movie of all time, being the only $1 billion Bond movie. Uh, it is also, I believe, the highest rated Bond movie as far as critics-wise. It is one of the highest reviewed Bond movies, uh, at least uh, in recent memory that I remember, uh, as far as critics reviewing it. So it made a billion dollars. It is. It made huge money opening weekend and it's considered to be one of the best opening bond songs and it's considered to be one of the best opening bond performances from daniel craig uh what do you think about skyfall as a whole rb3 uh well skyfall to me is also my favorite james bond movie um like y'all said it, it won an uh, incredible amount um it made an incredible amount of money and won an incredible amount of awards it actually won two academy awards making it the most winning um James Bond movie ever, and it was nominated for three more, uh, including Best Cinematography, which I think also we got to talk about too. Is Roger Deakins excellent? Deakins, yeah. Oh so my God, the Mendes, color grading yeah. in this movie is insane, bro. It's insane. Right, right, and I think that's you know everything from the style to the sophistication. I think they really took this movie a lot more seriously and elevated in a lot of ways. We talked about it a little bit in our Sam Minis episode, Sabrina, um, but how much of like a classy kind of, you know, elevated filmmaker is stepping into the James Bond franchise. He has, a, he both gives it a little bit of like a more classic air to it, but also gets like introspective and like just the right ways. Like, you know, it, it focuses on, like you said, the death of Bond, the rebirth of Bond, how old he is, like being an aging hero. And, uh, you know, and we're really falling into that trend now, especially we see like Denzel and like Arnold still doing like these old movies. Um, so like Bond Even is like definitely- Ben Affleck's Batman. Being yeah, like that yeah. older Logan. grizzled hero. Logan. Exactly. Oh, Logan. Yeah. Logan. Exactly. And I think they're playing into that. And I also think, you know, as much as I think Sam Mendes is denied and a bunch of people behind that has denied it, I you can't deny that it's not like to directly influenced by the Dark Knight. You know, like from beat by beat, it's pretty much the exact same movie. Um, you know, they go to China, you know, he, he's 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 coming out of retirement, he's not doing too well. He goes to China, he picks up a dude. He goes uh, to China. He, no, he does. They go to China almost at the 40 minute mark in both movies. And then they yeah. come back and then uh, China seems great, though. He kid, yeah, the bad guy kid, he gets they get the bad guy. Uh, bad guy gets locked up in jail. Bad guy ends up killing the girlfriend. Like it's all it's, it was almost beat by beat like the Dark Knight. But that being said, I still think it's a great movie. Also, it won the BFA, the British Film um, 
Academy Award or whatever for uh, like best British film, which is like remarkable. That's that's pretty remarkable too. So it has a lot of critical acclaim. And I think deservedly so. I love this movie. Yeah, and I think the actors that are attached, we're talking about Roger Deakins and Sam Mendes, like, of course, but like Naomi Harris, uh, we have Javier Bardem. There's so many really like key players in this film that make everything work the way that it does. Even Q, I love the actor that played Q, and I know that's an iconic character that I'm not familiar with, but the, this being my first introduction, I think they did an amazing job of presenting that. And again, having this villain that is kind of in the same type of like headspace is bond just like tortured grizzled like seeking out like revenge which like bond has been kind of doing throughout this franchise before and of course when you're in this business when you are a spy first of all which seems so exhausting like i yeah. you can't sleep you can't do anything every time That's he's hooking up with a woman yeah every time he's hooking up with somebody i'm just like how do you even have time to like do that with everything that's going on um but then the thing that I hate the most is that one character, uh, the woman that gets killed, that scene is a really good scene. I'm not even going to lie, but they just leave her. And he says, that's a waste of good scotch. Yeah. And that's, that's I'm a very like, fun thing to say. I was like, yeah, that's, that's my bond. <laughs> as soon as I saw that in the theater, I was like, that's, that's, that's my Jimmy bond. Not even uh, acknowledging shout out to Jimmy B the woman he's hooking up with just gets murdered in front of him. And that's the line he chooses. And she is just like completely ignored. So again, just how disposable this is. And yeah, so that's my biggest issue, even though out of all the films, I think I do like this one the most. Well, um, if you put that scene in context though, that's a scene where Javier Bardem's character, who is obviously revealed to be one of the agents that he was a part of, uh, kind of goes, he, he tests Bond as far as like his sadistic nature. And he wants to like, hey, like you, you're right, RB3, this really is like Batman Joker. He's like, you're you're crazy like me. You're a freak like me. And and Bond's kind of like, yeah, I am, bro. Like that's a, that's a waste of, uh, whatever he says, like waste of scotch. It's a waste whatever. of good scotch because it yeah. was like 50 years aged McAllen, which like yeah. I've had that before. I'm like, it is good, but. That's what, that's what he wanted to prove. He wanted to prove that Bond deep down inside is kind of a psycho and he proved it he was like yeah bro i am a psycho like i don't well, I mean, care I think, I think he also said that with a little pain too you know he was trying to mask that he was hurt a little bit yeah he too. wanted to show he him that you can't get pain. to me he's like bro you can't get to me bro like i don't care like i don't i don't give a I do think Daniel a little bit like nah. i do think daniel craig is like decent like this is even though i feel like the women are disposable within the stories i i don't think that's necessarily like his performance that kind of shows that i still enjoy him a lot and his character i just think the writing i just wish there was a little bit more to sink our teeth into uh for this one but yeah it's just it's just hard i mean it's like a scary moment i don't know it it's just like really really freaky it also ends with the home alone scene uh with judy dench being in home alone uh where he sets all the traps in his home in scotland shout out to scotland uh do you guys know what i'm talking about when he sets all those traps yeah yeah it was um, home alone definitely it was definitely I just home watched alone. home alone last night it's like That's, you knew that i just watched this it's home alone i just think it's hysterical <laughs> but at the same time it's also like so beautifully shot like the fire that's gro that's growing in the back as we see hard hard javier Bardem's character walk in a frame the china scene every china scene is like shot like it's incredibly well lit and well shot and also the shadows are absolutely freaky insane like i'm just losing my mind every time i talk about it because i think deacons is like the goat if not one of the goats um so it, it definitely is one of the best shot movies and obviously the ending is m m dies and it's that's literally her name is m um, and, which we, we always consider to be mother but that's kind of what it was to bond it was kind of like her mother type character like somebody um, that could like actually keep him in line exactly like go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him yeah and obviously I know M doesn't mean mother, uh, but it's one of those things where it feels like that's what he's losing in that moment, which is another chapter in the Bond franchise. And it leads us into Spectre. And I, and I really do feel like at that point, Daniel is definitely, and I'm talking about Daniel, not Bond, is definitely more grizzled and beaten down. Uh, I think he even says it when he's like, bro, I was literally like, like they asked me afterwards if I wanted to do more Bond. And I was like, hell no. I feel like my bones are going to crack. I'm too damn old. Uh, he literally said, I'm too old for this. 
Um, but we do get Spectre. And I feel like Spectre is also Sam Mendes. Like a lot of people forget that. A lot of people give crap to Spectre, but it's also Sam Mendes. So you got to, you know, remind yourself that this is the same guy who did 1917 and Skyfall. Uh, but I do feel like Spectre, he, he even said it. He said he feels like this one is definitely kind of a throwback to the old school Bond movies, which is why they brought in, um, ah, I'm going to forget his name. Uh, he's in all the Tarantino movies. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz um, to play that returning character of Blofeld. Uh, and they wanted to introduce that aspect of the Bond mythos, I guess, if, if it's what you want to call it, the Bond mythos, kind of bringing an old school character back if you've been following Bond. And if you're a Bond fan, you'll know who that is. And it's kind of bringing it into a new nature and bringing in the Spectre uh, organization of it all as well. What do you think of uh, Spectre as a whole? I think, Sabrina, I think you said this might be one of your most forgettable ones, right? Yeah, this one and Quantum both. Um, I think these are two misses. Like, I, I don't like watching these. Um, it's just something where it's another one where I feel like I could skip it. And it's just kind of a misfire in all directions. And like Quantum of Solace, we knew it was like a piece. It was like a it was a story that was missing pieces of it. This one, I don't know what necessarily the excuse was for it. Um, I think so much of this is unforgettable. I know Blofeld is like iconic. And when it comes to James Bond, uh, don't know too much about the character, but Christoph Waltz is great, but they still somehow were like able to like subdue his performance. I also feel like some of these films are more of the same over and over and over again. So then he's like, talking about his connection with Bond and it just feels so out there and ridiculous. And then there's this guy that dies and then he sleeps with his widow and I'm just like, stop. Like, I don't know. It's If it's done in a certain way, I don't mind this type of stuff, even in like Skyfall and stuff, because it's a good movie. I can like ignore all of this. I know it's part of the character. Um, I just feel like some of the ways that they do it, it just doesn't work within this film. And I feel like that's why it just doesn't work for me. Uh, some context for you, RB3. Uh, Daniel Craig said that during the shooting of this film, he had a partially broken leg, which is one of the reasons why he was uh, a little bit gassed out when he was shooting this movie. Uh, but besides that, I think one of the most unforgettable moments, if not the most unforgettable moment of this movie is literally the first 10 minutes of the movie, which is that incredible wonder in Mexico City, DF, shout out to DF, um, mm-hmm. where they do that Dia de los Muertos festival. Uh, and you see right. that wonder crane shot. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. And what do you think of that entire sequence? And if you think it's as dope as I think it is. Well, no, that, that sequence is definitely dope. It was definitely Sam Mendes practicing for 1917, I feel like, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, definitely trying his, his whistle a little Dude, bit. Do that also, one or... Yeah, it was cool. I also think... Um, I didn't like that. I didn't like how, like, darkly lit it was. I mean, it was a nighttime scene, so I get it. Um, but, yeah, you time know... it was during the day. During the day? Was I, am I tripping? Yeah, I'm thinking something else? Yeah, okay, you were yeah, tripping. Yeah, yeah, I am tripping. Um, yeah, it was during the day. I, I liked it. I do like that scene. I didn't love... I don't love this movie overall, though. I do think it is one of the more forgettable ones. Um, yeah, I don't know why I thought it was that night for some reason. But uh, but I, I the one that scene stand out, and also of course, gotta give shout outs to the fact that this movie has the largest explosion in uh, oh, movie yeah. history. Yeah. Um, it's actually actually kind of crazy uh, at the end. They, yeah, yeah, at the end when they blow up uh, Blofeld's lab or whatever, and you just get that one wide shot of them looking back and seeing that explosion happen. Um, I don't know how many cameras they had rolling. I don't know what kind of thing they had going, if they had like a backup plan or a plan B or <laughs> if they lost the footage or something, but whatever happened, you know, more power to them. I'm so happy that it, it played out. That was a dope explosion. So that's my, those are the two things I remember about this movie. I feel like that's always the idea of Bond is like, they want to have the biggest thing ever. The producers are really keen on that. I, I know that's what they love. They love spectacle. And they really talked about that, especially for Spectre. They said they wanted to have like over the top spectacle. Uh, and, I, and I feel like we definitely got that, especially with that one or shot in the beginning with uh, Mexico City, like I mentioned before. But I, I also think they got that with the Batista fight. Shout out to Batista, uh, the boy. He, yeah. That was a dope fight. I think it, I think that's a dope fight. I think it holds up. Uh, <laughs> it's you don't a think cool it's a fight. dope fight? It's a cool fight. I hate that they didn't give him any lines to say in this movie, though. Like that was a that was the most 
trash thing ever. Like we know Dave Batista is like a good actor. Like mm-hmm. at that point, we had known we've seen Guardians. We have seen we haven't seen Blade Runner yet. Blade Runner. I was gonna say Blade Runner is a little bit after. Yeah, but still, like we know he's a good actor. Like he could do more than just like be the tough guy. Like that's so that's stereotypical Bond too. That's very like nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies. He's and, like Joss. Yeah, and Sky and exactly and Skyfall. And Skyfall was 100% throwing back in like subtle ways by throwing back the Ashton Martin car, throwing in the little family history, car. throwing in the, you know, like some little Easter eggs, the, the Seuss and the Martinis, they're throwing little Easter eggs here and there to give you that old connection. But this one literally was trying to make you feel like you're watching a 1970s movie with like 2020 or 2017 cameras or whatever. So I didn't like that aspect of it. Yeah, and like Blofeld being like, actually, everything was kind of me. And it's just like these stories, it just feels like they're not unfolding organically or that there's any like rational like reasoning behind these decisions. It's just like, here, we got to throw it back a little bit. Some people love this character. Now, everything to make him sinister, everything was actually his fault um, that we've seen throughout this franchise so far. And it's like, I don't know, it didn't work. Yeah, I really do feel like overall, I think they both agreed that they wanted to do something a little bit more personal to kind of close out the franchise, which is why they didn't want Spectre to be the last one, and which is why they kept asking Daniel Craig to come back for another. But I think overall in the franchise, where would you guys rank the Craig Bond films? Uh, I'll start with you, Sabrina. I would do Skyfall as number one. Um, Casino Royale would be just under, actually... Yeah. Okay. I'll stick with this. I'll say Skyfall number one, Casino Royale just underneath it. I feel like any day you ask me, they might be able to switch and then a large margin and uh, Quantum of Solace and then Spectre, I think. How about you, RB3? Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll be very similar. I'll probably go uh, Skyfall as well as my number one and also very, very close number two, um, Casino Royale as well. Um, That's just like, they do, they like, they can flip back and forth for me sometimes, but at the end of the day, I do love Skyfall. And I think it's just like a really amazing movie just on its own, like outside being Bond. Um, and also, um, yeah, I will go like a mar- wide margin. I think I might go Spectre slightly over Quantum of Solace, uh, just because like, it does have like, like Andre said, like a good opening sequence, has some good action here and there. And, um, you know, I thought they had some cool camera tricks. Like they had one scene where, uh, Blofeld was talking in the dark and his face was all in shadow so you couldn't really see him. I thought that was a nice trick. But then at the same time, I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie. This is the first time I ever fell asleep in a Bond movie, too. This is the first time it's I ever fell asleep long. in a theater. It's very long. Yeah, at least quite know. This next one's even longer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but this yes. next one is the finale, bro. Y'all, we we yeah. in for it. We strapping <laughs> in, bro. I don't know. They're there are two golden ones for me, like two actually really good movies for someone who's not a fan to actually enjoy. And then I think two that were just complete misfires and totally unforgettable. So I hope this next film, No Time to Die, I hope this one's actually interesting. Um, Cause I feel like one Daniel Craig kind of deserves that. It's kind of like a closeout on a chapter for this actor um, who has been so iconic in this role, kind of like a Logan for Wolverine. I want to get the same thing for Daniel Craig's bond. And I know I'm not as attached to the character as oh. everybody else is, but yeah. I mean, that's my next question to you guys is Craig the best James Bond, Sabrina. Well, he is my only James Bond. Uh, so uh, I will say yes, because I actually do think two of the movies are super high quality. And even in the movies that aren't as good, um, he still just really shines in every single one, even when there's issues behind the scenes or stuff isn't working the way that's supposed to, or he's injured, like you said, um, doing some of the stunts and things like that, his body getting beaten down. He is still, he has this specific presence and something that he brings to the character that I feel like makes him unique because when I think about the Bond movies, I think about more people like parroting, like everything, like shaken, not stirred and have like, even like an Austin Powers type of thing. I kind of see it as like a caricature of itself. Um, but I don't get that with his Bond because I have seen like bits and pieces of everything, just not a complete film. Same question to you, RB3. Is Daniel Craig the best James Bond? Um, yeah, I mean, I would... I mean, he. I don't know if That's I call confident. him the best. I don't know <laughs> if I call him the best. I would. I would probably go with my man Sean Connery, OG. You know, like I know it's like whatever. You know, people don't like hearing the old guy, or whatever. But hey, man, he's dead. You got. You got. Name your favorite Sean dead. Connery Bond movie. Goldfinger. 
Okay. That's yeah. Fair. Number two, Doctor No. Number three, Russia will. No, I'm sorry. Number two, from Russia with Love. Number three, Doctor No. Number four, um, you know, it's a little bit of a split between. Um, Russia with Love would probably be one of my favorites too. From Russia with Love is amazing. So I mean, yeah, but there, a lot of great, a lot of a lot of there's a lot of iconic Bond movies from Connery. I also like it because he just established the character. That being said, like, of course, it's not the best representation, not the best movies, all that. I totally <laughs> understand that. Um, so Craig is definitely much better in that respect. And I think also Craig is a much better actor, too. He definitely, like, brings a much better acting range to it. But, you know. Yeah, I I, I would say he is the best James Bond. I, I think the Bond character, like you said, Sabrina, has always kind of been slightly a caricature, even in the Connery days. Like, there's a couple Connery films that are a little bit more gritty. Uh, but for the most part, they're still always a little bit slightly dialed on 11, slightly over the top. Whereas the Craig Bond movies, at least two of them for sure, are slightly more grounded and a little bit more realistic, which makes it to me a little bit more of an enjoyable watch as a viewer of film and as someone who would want to see what it would be like to be in this position. And what it would be like to be in this position would be that it would suck uh yeah. it, it just really suck uh which is why craig just being super depressed and super old man bond uh makes sense which is why billy eilish has a right to be sad about singing a sad sense. it but makes total sense i love that you mentioned that because as somebody who doesn't really know bond like i know i know it from all like the parodying or different things like that when people reference it and like i don't know maybe i'm wrong in this but that whole like just like Ooh, ladies, man, super slick and smooth, which we do get here, but it's very much so like different than like the cheesy, like suave type of man, you know, tall, dark and handsome, like give me my martini and I drink it. There's a lot more like depth within what we see uh, with Daniel Craig's as far as I know. Yeah, because I feel like I know a lot of people watching, if anyone's watching right now or listening, they're going to be like, what do you mean it sucks to be Bond? Isn't that the whole point that you want to be Bond? And I'm like, yeah, yeah but that's why I like the Craig Bond movies, because they kind of show you that after all the girls and the martinis and the cool cars and all the killing people, after a while, you start to see your friends die and then you're killing people that maybe you don't want to kill. And then you're getting captured and beat the crap out of and then you're getting your your balls freaking clopped in by this giant boulder uh by this crazy psychopath and after a while you're just like man you know i came here for the girls in the cars and the guns and after a while it, it kind of takes a toll on you so when your bonds age uh, i mean daniel craig's age it starts to suck a little <laughs> just a little bit i don't know what do you think i'd be three would you want to be james bond no, I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. <laughs> what about you, Sabrina? You want to be Jane Bond? Absolutely not. I run like 20 minutes on a treadmill and I'm com completely winded. When there's a scene when Money Penny shoots him and he falls into the water and then he falls down like a waterfall, I'm like, Dead. my body would just give out. There is absolutely no way I would ever want to do anything ever again after this. So the fact that he's taking yeah. all those punches and he's taking all this and still continuing to do it good on him not for me to me it's the uh casino royale everything that happens in casino royale to me i'm like i'm dead i'm dead he even <laughs> dies in casino royale and he still comes back uh when he has the poison in his heart remember that scene uh yeah. and he puts the defibrillator on himself mm -hmm. um and then the car crashed right after that where the car flips like 25 times yeah he's surviving anything at this point i was like, bro you'd be so dead your your skull would be like literally watermelon all all over the car like you you would not survive that no one's wearing a seatbelt man he's wearing a seatbelt no bro you can't survive that uh anyway shout out to that because that's a world record by the way for uh, i think the record for car flips oh uh, my god which is why <laughs> casino royale is my number one movie in all of Bond franchises, and I've seen all the Bond movies, so I would actually hey. I, I I rank Casino Royale as my number one man. I think that's that's my favorite. Even though I love Russia with Love and Goldfinger and all those other ones, uh, I definitely feel like Casino that's Royale. That's a worthy number one. Been, always been one of my favorites. Then Skyfall, then probably Quantum. I like Quantum, and then probably Who, Spectre. Who's the other James Bond actor besides Connery and Pierce Brosnan? Uh, Roger Dalton. Moore. Yeah, oh, Dalton. Roger Moore had okay. two movies. Yeah, and we had so, one other guy, George Lazenby, for one for one. Yes, film. so Connery, um, Moore, Timothy Dalton, and then you said Lazenby, and then obviously Pierce, which is then, as I said the one I grew up with, and then obviously Daniel Craig. 
yeah shout out to pierce brosman he's dope uh anyways guys that concludes our bond craig bond franchise conversation here on the meeting of podcast and on first cut if you enjoyed that conversation let us know in the comments down below subscribe to first cut if you haven't done so also follow the meeting of on all the platforms for your podcast such as spotify or apple or anywhere else you get your podcast make sure you guys follow the crew sabrina where can everyone follow you you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SabrinaXMonica. Also on Twitter at SabrinaOnFilm. RB3. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DirectorRB3. You can follow me at Squad Leader Race, guys. And obviously follow us at First Cut TMO. Make sure you keep following this channel, this network, this podcast for more of your movie news and goodies all coming to you this way. So make sure you guys do that. Make sure you guys share and like and do all the good stuff that helps us out because it really is helpful. But either way, guys, for the Meaning of Podcast and the Meaning of Crew, we're peacing out. Peace.